our Father in heaven, would you give us eyes this morning to see and ears to hear the wonder of the gospel. That we might find hope and words of life, words of blessing that have been declared over us as your sons and daughters. Holy Spirit, would you work in us a new work, a fresh work. For those who've never heard you, never known you, or perhaps have heard you a thousand times and yet have rejected you, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd break through the hardest of calluses, that they might find hope. For those of us who have grown up hearing about you and have grown weary and cynical, may we find hope again. And for those of us who find ourselves today fragile and open, ready to receive the gospel, would you stir in us in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand for our reading of God's word this morning? This morning we continue our sermon series through the gospel of Mark, chapter one. Begin reading with verse one and then verse nine. This morning I'm reading from the New International Version. Mark writes, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my Son, whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. When Jay Marty showed me the bulletin earlier this week, I told him I loved it except I would be a wreck when I got to the pulpit. And that's true. Jay Marty, Alicia, choir, thank you for leading us to Jesus this morning. We'll see if I can get through this. My daughters love to go swimming. If my daughters are anything like your kids, or if you don't have kids, or they're anything like you, you love to go swimming too. You love to go swimming because we're Texans and the summer is brutal. And so we flock to pools as a city. Now, if you've ever gone swimming with children or you've been around children in a pool, undoubtedly you've heard these four words. Daddy, look at me. Daddy, look at me as my oldest daughter dives off the high dive. Daddy, Look at me as my second oldest daughter swims across the pool with no floaties. Daddy, look at me as my youngest puts her head underwater and blows bubbles. Daddy, look at me. What's amazing about those four words is no matter how old you are this morning, odds are you said them too when you were a child. You called out to your mother or your father and you said, look at me. How often, as adults, are the lives that we now lead, 
just one giant cry that are still saying, Daddy, look at me. Bruce Springsteen, one of the most prolific singer-songwriters of her time, was giving an interview about the strained relationship that he had with his father. This is what he said. He said, I believe behind every artist has someone that told him that he wasn't worth dirt. And someone that told him that they were the second coming of baby Jesus. And they believed them both. That is the fuel that starts the fire. What is Springsteen saying? He's saying that every one of us wants affirmation. And this is true not just of artists, it's true of every human being. Every one of us wants to be affirmed. Every one of us crying out, Daddy, look at me. Every one of us who longs for someone to say, I love you. Who wants to hear, I'm proud of you. Every one of us wants a father's affirmation. In our passage this morning, God the Father spoke these words over God the Son. He said, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. At his baptism, the Father spoke this blessing over the Son. In the wilderness, this blessing was tested. And on the cross, Jesus sacrificed this blessing for you and me so that the words of this blessing might be declared for you. You are my son, you are my daughter. I love you because of Jesus. And you are more pleased. This morning, we're talking about the Father's blessing poured out over Jesus at his baptism, a blessing that he is now pouring out over you. The first thing I want you to see is that the Father blessed the Son. I want you to look with me. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 9. Mark tells us, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth and Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, before we dive in, I just want you to notice a couple details that I think are pretty important. The first is this, is that this is the way that Jesus enters the story of the gospel in the book of Mark. He doesn't come as a little baby in a manger like he does in Matthew or Luke. No, in the gospel of Mark, he comes as a man. So I think what we have to recognize is that there's something about Jesus' baptism that marks a beginning in the gospel of Mark, the beginning of Christ's ministry. The second thing I want you to notice is a detail that would be easy to overlook because you might take it for granted, and that's this. Jesus was baptized. Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, was baptized. That means that baptism existed before Christianity. Did you know that? Baptism existed before Christianity. And in those days, Gentiles who converted to Judaism were baptized. And by the way, their children were baptized too, but that's a different sermon. Gentiles who converted to Judaism were baptized, and their children as well. 
But what John the Baptist was doing was saying, not only do Gentiles need to be washed, but Jews need to be washed too because they're behaving like Gentiles. And so he began to proclaim a baptism of repentance, we're told. We looked at that last week. Mark 1, verse 4, we're told that John the Baptist appeared. He was baptizing in the wilderness. He proclaimed a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now, what was a baptism of repentance? Well, the baptism that John the Baptist offered was a symbol of repentance, a symbol of a person turning away from their sin and turning back to God. The only promise, problem with that is that we have to repent all the time, do we not? In other words, you couldn't just be baptized once in repentance. Otherwise, you'd have to be baptized over and over and over again. You see, the baptism of repentance was inadequate. It was powerless to truly cleanse us from the inside out of indwelling sin. John the Baptist said that much. He said that I baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. See, John just baptized a baptism of repentance with water, but what we need this morning, what we've always needed, is to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And so verse 10 of our passage this morning, we're told that as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. In one moment, baptism was changed forever. No longer was it a baptism of repentance that symbolized what we can do in responding to God and repenting out of ourselves. No, baptism was now the power of the Holy Spirit being poured out on all flesh. That's why my baptisms are always a little messy. Maybe you saw that this morning. If you look up here, yeah, there's a mess. Because I do my best at every baptism to cut my hand and pour the water out as a picture of the Holy Spirit being poured out. We need something far greater than what our flesh could muster. We need the Holy Spirit to give us faith, to work the gospel deep into our souls from the inside out. And this is what we see at Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit descending on the Son of God in the form of a dove. It's one of the great pictures that we have in the Bible of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all present in baptism. God the Son going into the water to be baptized. God the Spirit coming down in a person of a dove. And then God the Father speaking these words in verse 11. We're told that a voice came from heaven and said, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. What you might not realize this morning is that in Jesus' baptism, we are witnessing something remarkable, even more remarkable than the Holy Spirit coming down in a dove. What we are witnessing is not just a baptism, but a blessing. God the Father declaring his fatherly blessing over God the Son. When you and I hear the word blessing, so often we think of circumstance. We think of possessions. We think of health. 
But in the Bible, a blessing was not seen as something primarily physical. It was seen as something that was spoken. You see, in the Bible, the idea of the Father's blessing is one of the great themes that most people have never heard about. The Father's blessing being passed down from generation to generation. The book of Genesis, you could say, is actually a book about blessings. Jacob and Esau fighting over their father's blessing. Jacob scheming as the younger brother his way to the blessing. Esau totally beside himself, weeping because he did not receive the blessing. Later in the book of Genesis, an entire chapter is devoted to Jacob blessing his 12 sons. Later in the New Testament, we see that Abraham is seen as our father through Jesus Christ. And as the father of nations, Abraham has blessed the whole world. And then here at the baptism of Jesus, we see a father speaking a blessing over his son. A Trinitarian rite of passage. God the Father coming down from all eternity to speak words of life and identity and affirmation over his only begotten son. And so he tells Jesus, you are my son. Jesus is the son of God, not only in his incarnation and in that he is like you and me, but also in his relationship to the father, an unbreakable bond Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Son of God. This is even in the title, the Gospel of Mark, something that Mark wants us to see particularly about the person of Jesus. Verse 1, the beginning of the Gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Father's blessing doesn't end there. He says, whom I love. God the Father loves the son with an infinite love. And lastly, he says, with you, I am well pleased. The heavenly affirmation over Jesus, that God is pleased with his son Jesus and he is now sending him out to embark in his earthly ministry. The first thing I want you to see is God the Father blessed God the Son. But the second thing I want you to see is that Satan put this blessing to the test. I want you to look at verse 12. We're told at once the Spirit sent him out into the desert. So Mark uses one of his favorite words. At once, immediately. And, and this fast-paced style, unlike any other gospel, forces us to put two events together that we might not normally associate. In the other Gospels, there's entire chapters that separate and tell the story of baptism and then temptation in the wilderness. But here in the Gospel of Mark, we're just given a few verses. And so we see the Holy Spirit coming down like a dove over Jesus at his baptism. And just two verses later, now that same Spirit is leading Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. It's jarring, and it should be. See, I think Mark wants us to put these two events together. 
baptism of the Holy Spirit in a different kind of baptism, a baptism by fire. That same spirit that was at Jesus' baptism is now leading him to be tempted by Satan. Why? Why would the spirit lead the Son of God to be tempted? Because the Son of God is now displaying his identity not only with the Father, but with you and me. He will be tempted in every way that you and I are. Verse 13, we're told that he was in the desert for 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. Why 40 days in the wilderness? Because he's reenacting the 40 years in the wilderness that the people of Israel spent wandering and where God's people fail and giving into temptation, Jesus Christ succeeded and we, he withstood every test. Now this is all that the Gospel of Mark gives us about how Jesus was tempted, but the Gospel of Matthew paints a more vivid picture. How was Jesus tempted? Matthew chapter four, verse three, you can turn there or you could just listen. Matthew tells us that the tempter, that is Satan, came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Did you hear it? If you are the son of God. God's blessing declared over Jesus, you are my son. That is your identity. That is who you are. And now, Satan's accusation, his test of that blessing, if you are the son of God. This is the heart of every temptation. Satan's schemes are not just fleshly. That's one of his greatest tricks, to convince you that his temptation is just at the surface. But brothers and sisters, friends, what you have to understand is that Satan is not just after your flesh, he's after your heart. He's after the root of your identity. And so he comes after Jesus, the Son of God, and says, if you are the Son of God, in other words, you're not his son. There's no way you're his son, Jesus. In Hebrew, the word Satan means accuser. That's why he's the father of lies. He's a liar. And that's at the heart of every way that you and I are tempted, a lie that you are not God's child. You were not made in his image. You are nothing like him. And so he begins to question God's blessing. He begins to tell you that you're not a child of God, that you are not loved. And suddenly you begin to feel shame. And you begin to feel exposed. You begin to feel that you are worthless, that you are unworthy, that you are not the image bearer that God has made you to be. And you sp start to embody the sin nature that is put in you rather than what God has given you in his image. This is the vicious cycle of temptation and sin. Because when he begins to question your identity as a beloved child of God, it's that when you are most vulnerable, that he then tempts you 
with the false blessings of this world. Matthew 4, verse 8, then he takes Jesus to a high place and a high mountain. He shows Jesus all the kingdoms and glory of the world. And in verse 9, he says, all these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. This is what Satan is after. He wants to break you down. He wants to call into question God's declaration over you that you are his son and daughter. He wants you to embody the sin that wars against us in the flesh. And when you are at your most vulnerable, when you feel that you are not worthy, that you are not loved, that you are not a son or daughter of the living God, in that moment, then he says, so you know what? Go after this. Look what I can give you all the wealth in the world and materialism and possessions, if you would just worship this, then maybe you'll be worth something. It's a lie. A lie that says find your affirmation in something else other than God. Or he puts before you, before your eyes, the things that entangle us with lust, pornography, images that are heinous and destructive Again, these things are not just in the flesh, they're after your soul. Lies that say this is where you find worth and affirmation. Or he convinces you that you will only be loved if you are successful at all costs. That if others look at you and your own self-righteousness that maybe you'll be worth something. That even when you come into a church like this on a Sunday morning, that if you put on on the outside, things that look the part and act like a good Christian, then maybe you'll be worth something. Lies that Satan is declaring over you false blessings that will never deliver. But the good news of the gospel is this, that in the wilderness, the blessing that God declared over the sun was tested and it was strong. So strong that Jesus was able to take that blessing to the cross. That's where we'll end this morning. The last thing I want you to see is that Jesus sacrificed the Father's blessing for you and for me. Verse 14 of Mark chapter 1, we're told that at that time, Jesus began to say, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. He says the time has come, what time? Well, he's been blessed, he's been baptized, he has been tested, and now his ministry is beginning. And what's amazing is you see this blessing pop up again in the Gospel of Mark. There, this blessing was confirmed on the Mount of Transfiguration. When heaven was opened up again and God said, this is my son whom I love, listen to him. And then in Mark chapter 15, when Jesus finally did what he came to do and he hung there on the cross, the blessing was absent. Where you might expect God's blessing to come down and be spoken again. It was spoken over him at his baptism. It was spoken over him at the transfiguration. And now Jesus is on the cross and there's silence. There's darkness. And Jesus calls out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What is Jesus saying? 
He's saying, Father, why have you forsaken your blessing? The word forsaken means to turn away, to reject. In the Old Testament, for a father's blessing to be forsaken was the equivalent of a curse. And so Jesus fulfilled the scripture that says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Jesus willingly sacrificed God's blessing for you. He was forsaken because you and I deserve to be forsaken. He was forsaken. God's son was forsaken because you and I were orphans and strangers to the family of God. And so there on the cross, Jesus Christ gave up the blessing of God so that God's blessing might be declared over you and over me. Do you hear his voice? Ephesians 1.3, Paul put it this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What is that spiritual blessing? It is that in Christ Jesus, because the Son of God died in your place, God now declares over you, you are my son, you are my daughter. Because in Christ Jesus, he died on the cross for you and for me, God now declares over you, I love you. Because Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, took your sin in his body on the tree and died and rose again in victory. In Christ Jesus, God now declares over you and me and all who trust in his name. In my son Jesus, because of him, with you, I am well pleased. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The time has come. Repent and believe in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Christ, you are son. In Christ, you are a daughter. In Christ, you are loved. And in Christ, God is well pleased with you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it's good to call you father this morning. May we now walk as children of the living God. May we claim the blessings that have been declared now over us in our own baptisms. And now may we live in a way that is worthy of this calling that you've given us in Jesus Christ. May we receive these blessings for ourselves, that we might be your sons and daughters, that we would see ourselves as infinitely loved because of the cross of Christ. May we see that you are pleased. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.